This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning. This is Cheryl Linker, and I'm here with my co-host, Anita McKee, and it's this Saturday's version of the Master Gardener Hour. I hope you guys haven't been upset with us for listening to some uh, repeat Master Gardener Hours because we've been snowed out in Atlanta. And, of course, Anita and I did nothing stupid, and we stayed home and we're safe. But we're back. Today we have a guest with us that I've had wanted to have on the show for quite some time, Gloria Ward, who is a dear friend who I have known for probably 25 years. We live in neighboring neighborhoods, and Gloria is a longtime master gardener and also a member, a founding member of the American Hydrangea Society, which is based in Atlanta. And this year, Gloria has taken over at the helm as the president of the American Hydrangea Society. Congratulations, Gloria. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's fun. We're having a good time. I know. you. I had talked to her last year about coming on the show, and she said, Nope, I'm going to wait till I pass, till the reins are passed to me, and I can speak as the president of the American Hydrangea Society. I feel very honored to be president. It's a society that I dearly love. Um, I originally met Penny McHenry at the Southeastern Flower Show back in 1993, and that's when she introduced me to hydrangeas. And at that time, I was an avid rosarian. I had 130 roses, and some were shrub roses and et cetera. And then the freeze in Atlanta of 93 um, did my hybrid teas in, and I lost 100 hybrid teas. So then I meet Penny McHenry, and she said, oh, you need to know about hydrangeas. I said, yes, tell me more. And she goes, I'm thinking about starting a society. Would you be interested? And I said, oh, yes. And so since uh, 1994, when she began the society, I was a member, a charter member, and um, learned a lot. And hydrangeas are so easy, first of all. Um, They're almost pest-free, almost maintenance-free. Depending on your climate and your zone, you can um, really just do, and your location and your exposure, you can put a um, type of hydrangea just about anywhere. Um, You have macrophyllas that... um, take more sun than people think, but they do need the afternoon shade and respite. Um, They prefer morning sun. Um, Hydrangeas do need sun to bloom, and you'll see many books, magazines, plant tags that say, for the shade. Well, if you put them in dense shade, they may grow, they won't thrive, and they won't bloom. We have a lot of savvy listeners, and we've talked about this kind of in the past, and we all agree that the people that make those tags should be shot. Exactly. Because, you know why? Because we put them in the ground and then we move them. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. Gloria, this show goes all over the country. And if you could just take a minute 
And we're going to talk all about hydrangeas, but I really think that people would really be interested in knowing your personal experiences with Penny oh. McHenry and how, you know, just a little of her history, okay. where she's from, and, you know, some of the best tips and ideas that she gave you. I okay. think that would be really special because she passed away in 2006. 2006. Right. Yeah, she passed away the same year my mother did. Oh. And, and, I just, I only met her once, but just talk a little bit about her before we really kick in. Okay. Well, she was a dear friend and mentor of mine. Um, As I said, I met her at the Southeastern Flower Show, and I... I can't tell you the inspiration she was for me. She had such a passion for hydrangeas. It was infectious. And because of her, I think so many people have um, grown to love hydrangeas because she was so passionate. And she toured around the country and, you know, um, talked to people. And you just would meet her and you couldn't wait to plant a hydrangea after you met her, you know. But... um, we became very close friends. I'll never forget one day before she started the society, and I had a long list of questions. She called me on July 4th, and I'll never forget it because it was July 4th. And she spoke to me for over an hour on the phone and answered any question I had because I was a novice and didn't know. And I'll never forget that. And then years As the years went on, we became closer and closer friends, and we had this little group that we called the Queens. And she, of course, was the Queen of Hydrangeas, and I was the Queen of Bows, and there was three others. Sandra Jonas was the Queen of Design, and we had a Queen of Hearts, and... um, Margaret Mosley, the famous Margaret Mosley, was the queen mother because she was queen of camellias and poppies and just about everything else. So we had this little group, and we met um, usually at least once a month, and we'd have lunch at one of our houses, and then we'd tour the gardens of wherever we were, and, and the conversation was always about gardening and who was planting what and who's whatever was blooming the best at that time, and um, it was just lots of fun. Kindred, kindred spirits. Definitely. You know, kindred spirits. And Penny was about, like, as big as a minute. Yes. And would pick up all these big pots of hydrangeas and bloom and drag them around her garden and what what a cool person yes she used to be an actress so she was very theatrical where was she from um she lived here almost her whole life i think and um but she was an actress so she was very theatrical and she'd walk in a room and and just everyone would know she was there and she would um, like I said, would pass on her love of hydrangeas, and it was infectious to everybody. Oh, thank you for sharing that with sure. us. That's just, I, like I said, I only met her once, and I just knew that she had so much going for her. <laughs> and, of course, I have some of her hydrangeas. Yes. So that's kind of cool. Very cool. And can, hydrangeas are cool. I like it because I actually have hydrangeas that are named for people that I've met and have heard of, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool thing. So I guess the South has uh, Dr. Durr and the people and uh, Vince Dooley and the people in Athens. They have a kind of a control over mm-hmm. naming a lot of those hydrangeas. That's right. That's right. So tell me about your role as the president of the Hydrangea Society because you guys, bar none, have the best speakers come in. Oh, thank you. Well, 
We try. Um, we have international speakers, I might add. Yes, we've um, uh, just had Monsieur Millet come from France, and um, we've had many other speakers. You know, Dr. Durst spoken to us several times. He doesn't live in this area now, but he'll come in. And um, Ozzy Johnson is. One of our, he's actually our vice president, and he's also a charter member and an avid plantsman and travels to Vietnam and China and Hong Kong to find those unknown plants. He's a plant hunter. He's a plant hunter. A true plant with, hunter. Along with Dan Hinckley, mm-hmm. the famous Dan Hinckley, and, um, and lots of other guys. They go off and they climb mountains and they have tour guides, and it's amazing where they go through Anita jungles. Anita and I needed to join up with those guys Absolutely. and tour the world and find mm-hmm. those plants. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. But it's just interesting that you have the quality and the caliber of people that you bring in are are great. Well, we have three meetings a year, and this year we're having a meeting actually um, next Tuesday night for those in the metro area or even neighboring states. It's going to be on Tuesday, uh, February 25th. Our meetings are always at Holy Spirit Catholic Church in McDonough Hall. And And that's in North Atlanta. And that's in North Atlanta, right just off of um, off of 75 and Northside Drive or 285 and um, Powers Ferry, and it's easy to find. And um, so we have three meetings a year. We have wonderful plant raffles. Um, we have a very active membership, and um, we're real excited about the schedule of speakers that we have this year. First, we're having Tara Dillard, the designer, come speak to us, and then in April, um, on April 22nd, we're having Tim Reinhardt, and he's a geneticist and uh, will be speaking to us about the genetics of breeding hydrangeas. And um, then in October, we're having Sarah Henderson speak to us. And um, She's always a delightful speaker. Yes. And um, We can just send those all over to the Master Gardener Hour and we'll okay. interview them. All right. So fill up some time. Okay. So, okay, Gloria has agreed. She looks really smart and (laughs) together here in the studio just for you guys. But I'm beginning to think she may have a screw loose because she has agreed to be on two garden tours this spring. (laughs) Gloria's Garden is going to be on the Cobb County Master Gardener Tour um, Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. And then... Skip a few weeks. Fast forward to a month later, a month later June fourteenth, the Saturday before Father's Day. She her garden is going to be on the American Hydrangea Society tour. Okay. So how you holding up, girl? <laughs> I am busy, and I work best on a deadline, and um, it, it's going to work. But I have many challenges, and I've decided to reduce my water bill and have uh, – Let many, the snow water? Yes. <laughs> but let um, – I got rid of all my grass, and um, I'm going to be having many slate chips brought in that are easy to walk on, unlike pea gravel. And um, it's pretty. It's – you know, this one is uh, gray, like slate gray color. But, um, you know, maintenance, I'm 61 years old, and I've learned from gardening um, my whole life, um, and I'll get back to that in a second, but I've, I want things that are more maintenance-free and easy care. And um, 
I've just redone my front landscape and I want more evergreens, more reblooming things, less annuals to plant. Um, my favorite aspect of gardening after hydrangeas is um, composing pots and putting uh, containers and putting colors to, colors and textures together. That's my favorite thing to do. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that for the tour. And um, You may have to help me with that. Oh. I'm the kind of person that I go to get my nails done, and I can't even pick out a nail color that looks good oh. on my feet and my oh, face. No. So I have a kind of a challenge. I get the texture part. I totally get the texture part, but I sometimes get really off on the colors. So that's why, as Anita knows, and Gloria knows, I have a lot of white in my garden. Yeah. White and green, I kind of like can't mess up with. Well, that's so much fun at night. Yeah. You, you know, have a moon garden and then you yeah. can enjoy it at all. Now, any of your that. pots, are you going to put hydrangeas in your pots? I have a few hydrangeas in pots and will have, but um, mostly I just do annuals and color and I have boxwoods in pots mm-hmm. and um, some, you know, surround them with some annuals. Um, but, and I love um, ferns in pots. I love the Kimberly Queens in pots. No, they're gorgeous. They're and gorgeous. Um, have you ever had any luck? with overwintering them in the ground in the Atlanta area? Well, funny you mention that. Um, yes, I have brought two large pots of Kim- very mature Kimberly Queens in the garage. I don't have a um, greenhouse, unfortunately, and, of course, the garage door goes up and down when it could be. We had record cold this year of 6 degrees with a below-zero wind chill this year. So it's going to be very interesting to see what survives and what does well, but I'm optimistic for that. Um, but, yes, I have um, overwintered Kimberly Queens in the garage, and, you know, many of the fronds will endure and be green. I have two windows in there, and um, so I can cut out the dead mm-hmm. and give them some miracle grow, And they'll come right back. And they'll back. come right back. And, you know, we're going to come right back with the Master Gardener Hour. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Quick stakes. That's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. 
Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. This is Cheryl Linker, and I'm here with my co-host, Anita McKee, and Gloria Ward, the president of the American Hydrangea Society, and we're just talking about all kinds of things, hydrangea-related, and getting Gloria's beautiful garden ready for two garden tours here in the metro area this year. But, Gloria, we're talking about pots. Um, Hydrangeas. I tell you something that I've done and especially when I go to Hydrangea Society meetings, and I've, I always win raffles. I mean, there's just no doubt I'm a lucky person. So I always leave the Hydrangea Society with some kind of, you know, unusual hydrangea. So those I put in pots because I really probably wasn't listening to what the 911 was on the hydrangea. So I put them in the pot. And then I wait to see what they do, see how, you know, the size and the growth rate. And then I put them in the pot. So, you know, is, how long do you think you can live, leave a hydrangeas like in a, in a pot? I mean, what, what should you look for to time to move it on into the yard? Well, when, um, it depends on the cultivar of the hydrangea, whether it's a large or small cultivar mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, Depending on what exposure you put the pot in and right. how fast it grows, um, if it's really filled out the pot and seems to um, decline a bit, um, also how, if you have um, maintained your pruning and um, cleaning out the dead wood, mm-hmm. um, one secret um, not a secret, but one thing people should know about their hydrangeas, whether they're in a pot or in the ground, is to remove healthy, vibrant, um, viable um, canes of hydrangeas, one quarter of the entire number of the canes in a bush. You cut them to the ground. Now, what what, what type of hydrangea are you Any type. Because what this does is it will um, invigorate the bush and, and cause it to put out new growth and this is when you ask me when do you know to move a um, move mm-hmm. it out of a pot if if a bush is in the ground or in the pot is starting to decline then you need to invigorate it and you can do that by cutting one quarter of the canes and so you do it um, spread out through the bush and so once you've finished you don't even really notice that you've right removed at the those crown, so right at the it. crown mm-hmm. and that that's hard to do that's a healthy you could see buds on those um, stems coming out but that encourages new growth to come out from the crown and so you want to take your oldest canes 
when you cut those quarter of them out. Take the oldest canes. Oldest canes. And so the way you tell that is they're usually a larger diameter. Right. They have a rougher bark on them. Okay. And um, it's very easy to see. The, usually... Uh, sometimes they call it the honey bark look, but it's um, they're the bumpiest, roughest, largest canes. And you may only have a few of those in the bush. And, and we're only talking about doing this when a bush has started to decline and you just don't see as many blooms on it as you used to. And so that's when you do that. And um, with regard to pruning, many people think that they have to prune every year. You don't. You don't at all. Um, you only want to prune if something's in the way of a walkway. Um, you're hiding another plant that's nearby. Um, then you can selectively prune. And then that's based upon what type of hydrangea it is right, right. as to when you prune it. Back to one quick question here because I've been doing, getting, doing a lot of um, – going through my garden and dealing with hydrangeas. When you, you're talking your main canes. canes. Uh-huh. Okay, is it good when the little bitty ones are coming off in, at this time of the year when you're cleaning everything up, should you just cut, they just break off really easy? Is there any advantage or disadvantage to removing those or leaving them? The little teeny, almost like toothpick size offshoots off of your canes? Well, it depends on how full the bush is. Um, You want to encourage more growth. You know, your blooms will be on the tips. They won't be so much down in the bottom. But depending on how open and leggy your bush is, you may want a denser look. You do need airflow to reduce one of the few problems that hydrangeas can have, not always, mm-hmm. is mildew. So right. to increase airflow and air circulation, you, okay. um, you, you know, but to answer your question, you can have little branches come off. The other thing, depending on the cultivar, uh, and this is once you've gotten to know your plant, um, how large the bloom is, how heavy that bloom will be. Right, right. And so if you have a lot of branches, new ones coming out, it's just going to be even heavier and weight the the, um, branches down. Absolutely. One thing um, I love to do for supporting my hydrangeas, and it doesn't matter what kind they are, um, is I buy these small, short tomato cages that are the they're uh, already painted green they fade away you don't see them they're the diameter no they're um, it's a linking that they sell um, I've been finding them in this area the short ones is what I'm talking about and these you can find at big lots here Um, I'm assuming it's okay I say plug here Um, but big lots has them and they're three panels and they link together and they're like 450 for one of these and the diameter of the wire is like a coat hang old-fashioned coat hanger wire so you're not going to see you're not going to see them and they fade away and you can either link them into the triangle shape individually if you just want to put have one plant by itself that you need to support, or if you have a row, um, you can link several of them together. They have um, hooks on the ends of the link, and you can right, hook right. them all together and um, really support them. And I love to do that on Annabelle hydrangeas because they can get floppy with their very big heads. And um, so 
ideally when you prune your um, Annabelle hydrangeas, which can be... Um, which is getting close. It's very now. close. The Annabelles are in the arborescence family, and those bloom on new wood, and um, then those need to be pruned usually in March is when I do that. And an interesting aside on um, the Annabelles is that the prunings that you clip off, you can just stick into a pot and they will grow and bloom. You can use Rutone or not. Um, just have a gallon containers made up of, of soil. And um, you take those cuttings off your Annabelles. Make sure that the leaf, the uh, nodes are pointing up just like they were on the bush and put the opposite end down in the dirt and put about five to seven of those in a gallon container. Keep them watered. Keep them in um, not a direct sun partial sun, um, part shade, and keep them watered. And I had a bloom the first year on one that I did that with. cutting. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's very easy to propagate. And backing up to Don't you think that Annabelle's need way more sun than I... I, They can tolerate a lot more. They really do. And... um, I mean, they do kind of get burned out, but the beauty of the Annabelle is is that they come out the pale chartreuse green, then they turn white, then they go back and dry. They dry easily into the pale chartreuse green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those you want to, um, if you want to cut them, you can let them dry on the bush and then just cut them and put them in containers. They're wonderful. Something I see around Atlanta, I don't know if this is done anywhere else in the country, I see uh, a lot of people, I mean, just for the beauty and the winter interest, they leave the flowers all through the winter. Mm-hmm. And that, do you do that? I do um, that as well. And the, um, I do it for protection. Right. I also do it um, just, I think it's fun, like this year when we've had snow and ice. They look cool. They look really cool. And you can just look, it, it's a lot prettier than just a cut bush, you know, mm-hmm. that has nothing mm-hmm. on the top. And But in the busy springtime, now I have to go back out there and um, cut all the heads off. You know, and so I do that. So where do you make your cut when you do that? Above a, a the, the, no, bud? The, the very top bud. Okay. Because you don't want to go down any further than that or you will cut your flower off. And mm-hmm. my favorite tool to do that with is you go to a, a Publix. We used to have Smith and & Hawken, and you could get the scissors there. But they're made by Joyce Chen. And they're available at Publix, and they're about $10 a pair. And they have red handles and a very sharp point and a very narrow point. And so you can get in those tiny – this is just for light, lightweight pruning. They're and it's great. a scissor. It's a scissor. Okay. And it's good for um, trimming off these little um, hydrangea um, pieces and then also any perennials that are not too woody. Right, right. Um, but they – and they're lightweight, and as our hands age and we get arthritis, they're so lightweight, you don't get tired using these as you would with your secateurs or other type of pruners. I absolutely, anything that makes, you know, the, when you really have to go out and do mass prunings, I mean, it really can take a toll. It does. On your shoulders and your hands and everything. Um, you know, we know, we talk a lot about French hydrangeas and everything. Um one of my favorite nurseries in Atlanta, Habersham Nursery mm, Clothes. So sad. Which Breaks I guess, the heart. Yeah, they were so cool. But I always like what I found there 
were some of the coolest oak leaf hydrangeas. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, I just think that's, you know, such an under, I guess, in old Atlanta, like Buckhead, I think it was way used. Mm -hmm. And then when you come out to Marietta and, like, some of the newer neighborhoods and everything, I think people don't use those plants as much as they could and should and talk about extremely low maintenance. Yes. I mean, they've got to be the most low maintenance of all hydrangeas. They really do because you barely have to prune them. They have the exfoliating bark, the peeling bark. The um, flower goes from ivory and, and turns pinky and burgundy depending on which cultivar it is they're stately um, some are more pendulous some are more upright the Alice um, cultivar is just huge and yeah, it's huge. great for filling a big area um, I just planted some snow queens and I like snow queen because she holds her head up and mm-hmm. her nose in the air mm-hmm. and then I under okay then, how does her nose stay in the air <laughs> well it's just the way the the breed of them I mean they just stand upright it, that's good okay. and then I underplant those usually with um, um, another type more pendulous so it gives sort of a waterfall effect with so, so what would you plant under that um, another hydrangea? Other hydrangeas or other um, um, oak leaf hydrangeas. You okay. could, you know, do ones that are more pendulous down. Even just the um, uh, straight species of oak leaf, you could do that. And I, and also, I think, you know, we all, we've on a lot of shows, we talk about, you know, small gardening, downsizing. And there are a lot of oak, oak leaf cultivars that are smaller. Yes. You know, that are three by three as opposed to, you know, eight by eight. I just planted some munchkins that yes. are going to be doing that. Yeah. And then um, um, another one is Little Honey that has the green leaves, and it's not a terribly large plant. Um, so I'm anxious to see what those are going to do. Hey, the Little Honey, um, that's where I got mine at Habersham. Mm-hmm. Bright yellow leaves. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break from the Master I- Gardener Hour, and we'll be back with our guest, Gloria Ward, in just a minute. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's Food Link was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
This is Cheryl Linker, and I'm here with Anita McKee, my co-host on the Master Gardener Hour, and Gloria Ward, the president of the American Hydrangea Society, is here with us today, and we are really having a very casual conversation about hydrangeas, garden tours, and, you know, how to keep these just incredible plants go going. I grew up in... Atlanta and my family one my father was from Thompson Georgia my mother was from Carrollton Georgia and I remember when I was a kid absolutely thinking that hydrangeas were the ugliest strangest looking plant in the world even though I loved plants and loved gardening they just reminded me of these old lady plants because there was always like one at my grandmother's by the rain barrel that was, you know, that we actually had to go get the water out of to like shampoo our hair and do stuff with that we had to get out of. And, you know, it was kind of like just a foundation plant. And, you know, now people use these gorgeous plants in so many ways. And I think at one of the hydrangea meetings that I adored, your French guest, his name again, Gloria? Uh, Robert Mallet. Robert Mallet. And I, the way I remember it, he had like the largest hydrangea um, groupings collection, collection mm-hmm. in all of Europe or France? Um, one, yes, one of the largest. His is uh, the Shamrock Collection. And he lives near uh, Normandy and Dieppe. Okay, on the on the northern coast mm-hmm. of, of France. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that he taught me that just sunk in so hard is he had groupings of light colors. Now, he might have a lace cap and, you know, a a big leaf, you know, macrophilia together, but they were the same color, and he did them in these mass borders, and it just made me think, why in the world didn't I, like, stick to, like, three or four you know, cultivars of hydrangea and just buy the dog out of them and put them in a group because it looks so incredible. It does, and that goes along with one-itis. Master gardeners have one-itis, and that's when you go to a nursery and you have to have one of that and one of that and one of that. And then then you have the dot and dash effect. And the dot and dash effect is the opposite of large masses. And large masses make... A bigger impact. So when they bloom, they they have impact, and um, so it's hard when you are a hydrangeophile person that uh, you want one of everything and you want to see what it does. And so then that's a good time to see how you like the plant. If you buy one, if it does well for you, then you can buy more. If it doesn't do well, then you can give it away. <laughs> and um, it, there's just there's all different types and sizes and um, a new one that I bought recently from um, Hydrangeas Plus Nursery is a mail order nursery out of um, Oregon. And Hi, okay, wait, slow down. Hydrangeas Plus mm-hmm. in Oregon, mm-hmm. and um, the lady that owns that is Kristen Van Hoos, 
and she came and spoke to our society last year. It was wonderful. She has a beautiful color catalog. She's also online, but it's hydrangeasplus.com, and she has many cultivars that sometimes you can't find locally um, and the one that I bought from her was a uh, Sargentiana and uh, the uh, species is an Aspera and what's unusual about them is um, they get 10 feet tall and they have all Asperas get 10 feet tall? Not all of them but this one does and it has um, hairy leaves pointed long oval hairy fuzzy leaves like pointed like that yeah like long ovals okay big long big leaves is it kind of like the cabbage patch is mm, that a bigger 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 okay. i think oh my goodness and then the the bloom is different the bloom looks like a peony bud that has and it won't open i mean it's not a big blousy flower so it's like an accent plant um, and it gets ten feet tall. Mm-hmm. Wow, we got to get one of these catalogs. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting. And um, Penny McHenry had two in her garden. Was where I first saw them. And then I've seen them in gardens, in botanical gardens around the country and and in Europe. And I just like them because they're different. See, and here we go with the one itis. <laughs> okay, so Anita, you're a designer, a garden designer, and Gloria, what? If you've been a one-itis type person and all of a sudden you, you know, decide that you got to really, like, do this professionally and get these masses masses and everything, the thing that I did learn from that meeting is sometimes it can be a different plant, but if it's in the color family, it can have, you know, a different leaf, a different flower. Now, are y'all good with that mm-hmm. concept mm-hmm. as oh, well? Sure. Yeah. It makes it more interesting, too. As long as it's, you know, blooms at the same time and it's the same color, to have a lace cap with a mop head is fine. Um, there's another example would be like with your Annabelle's to have um, the um, straight species of the Annabelle. Um, which is uh, hills of snow, or to put white moth with it, or um, I'm trying to think of the cultivar of the other one. It's it's um, it's leaving me right now. This is the benefit of age. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I think if the key is the same color, so your eye flows through, and then up close you can see the differentiation see the between the see the details. The, um, Lace cap and the mop head. Okay, so we're getting we're, I, we're this, this show's going to fly by, but I do want to talk about. Okay, right now it is February. I don't even know what day it is. Nineteenth. Okay, between. I just learned last night. Did you guys know that daylight savings time is March ninth this year? Wow, really? I just like was blown away by that because I always thought it was like April fifteenth. But anyway, so we're going to have an hour longer. Everybody except for Arizona and what Hawaii, I think, don't switch. But okay, so we're going to have another hour that we can work in our gardens mm-hmm. in the evening. So April, uh, February nineteenth. What should we do? to our hydrangeas between now and the end of March. Okay. Well, depending on what area of the country you live in, what zone you are. Right. um, Our area 
uh, I'm 7B where I live, and our la- according to the Farmer's Almanac, our last freeze could be even April 15th, April 25th. I think last year we had a very late one. We had a mild winter, but we had a late freeze. Um, so you have to keep that in mind before you do a lot of pruning. As in any kind of pruning, when you prune, you stimulate growth. So you don't want to encourage too much new growth too early to get zapped by a freeze. Then you're nowhere. Gloria just did something that is so important because, you know, as gardeners, you get the rules, you get the dates. But she just, you know, you have to explain sometimes if it sinks in in your head that the reason that you don't do prune early is because you're going to promote growth. So just, you know, kind of remember that and stick with that Mm -hmm. and, you know, really know what you're doing when you're taking your clippers out there and cutting. And I think of that often, too, when we have these late frosts and freezes and our hydrangeas have really butted out. And I've been known to be out for four hours at night with my miner's headlight on my head covering plants up to protect them for the freeze that's coming because otherwise they are so leafed out or butted out that it'll just be zapped and I'll be nowhere. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a lot of work, and I hope we don't have that this year in particular. But go ahead. So we're getting – so depending on on what type it is, the Annabelles, I would prune it first. Um, And those can, like I said, be pruned, and you can take those cuttings and put them in pots. You can do those in March. Your paniculatas, you can really start pruning because those bloom in – August usually here, um, but they're much later than the macrophyllas or the serratas. So how far you're going to cut those down to like 18 inches? Um, the annabelles I would. The paniculatas it depends on what shape or, mm-hmm. or how okay. big of one. Like I have some tardivas. Uh, some people say tardiva. Um, I have a, a hedge of those, and they've gotten a little big, and they border uh, a neighbor's property, and they're kind of on a bank. And <laughs> It's sort of hard to prune them, but um, I'm going to take them down a little further this year than I have in a couple of years because they seem to have bloomed a little better. I'm also going to really look at the structure of the individual plant and now, open it up. Is this one that you would cut out a fourth of the... You could. You could. Um, maybe I mean, actually remove a fourth of... Not as much on this panic on the tardivus. They don't have that many stems. They kind of branch off right. of the main stem. Um, but where the macrophyllas and the serratas come out from the ground and have multiple canes, that's where you cut the fourth out. Okay. But the... Um, the um, um, paniculatas, I try and open them up and shorten them some and and basically make like a basketball, you know, make a huge rounding at the top, a sphere shape and kind of cut them, you know, so that when they bloom, all your blooms aren't at one level. You know, they they come down. So this is the paniculata. This is really just about any blooming bush. Okay. So the basketball type look. But so, so that it'll be yeah. round as opposed to all blooms at the top. You don't want to give them a, a butch haircut straight right, across right, the right. top. So you'll have your right. side graduated smaller and mm-hmm. then go up. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Wow. So we've gotten them pruned. So are we going to fertilize them? Yep, baby. Let's talk about that yep. because that's what we all like to do is get um, in there and... 
again, when you fertilize, um, you're encouraging growth, and you don't want to do it too early because then you'll zap your buds. So give me a date on in general. Depending on your zone and your weather, um, I would say around April 1st I'd start putting – I usually – can put 10 10 10 out um just a balanced fertilizer um i've also used osmocote a time release but it's only effective when the weather is 70 degrees and higher so the 10 10 10 is active before that right right, right. Mm-hmm. okay and you can sometimes i haven't found it lately but you can get a super 10 10 10 that has the minor nutrients has boron and some other stuff right, in it right. too and that's great but the key is is because hydrangeas have a lot of shallow roots you want to make sure that they're not dry and a lot of us have had um, drought so depending on what part of the country you're in don't fertilize dry roots you want to um Moisten it first. Put your fertilizer down. Scratch it gently. How far around out? Like from the drip are you line? Go out to the drip line, drip all line. the way out around yeah. the drip line. Yeah, and you don't need to put that much either. Um, you know, it, it, depending on the size of the bush. But keeping in mind that hydrangeas, because they're heavy bloomers and they bloom for such a long time, they're heavy feeders. So you want to do that in April, and then I'd go again even in July. July. Okay. Back to pruning, one key thing so we don't run out of time here that I I want everyone to know is on your macrophyllas, your French type, do not prune those after August 1st. Be through pruning. Hi, Gloria. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to readdress that because that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back with the Master Gardener Hour. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hi, this is Cheryl Linker, and I'm here with my co-host, Anita McKee and Gloria Ward, and we are talking hydrangeas. Um... And we're sitting here looking at a publication from the University of Georgia, and we've got some questions, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. But right before the break, Gloria had something that's really important and needs to be reset, and it's talking about your big leaf macrophylla 
macrophylla. I can't talk today. Hydrangeas. So, Gloria, let's talk about this. Okay. On your macrophylla big leaf hydrangeas, it's very important that you, if you decide you need to prune them, and that's to say you don't have to prune a bush every year, but if a branch is too big or the whole bush is too big, be finished pruning by April 1st, or excuse me, August 1st, um, because it will put out new buds, it blooms on new buds, new growth, and um, many people say, well, my hydrangeas don't bloom, and my first question is, when did you prune them, and how much sun do they get, and so if they prune them after August 1st, they're, um, they're cutting off, you know, the growth, and then they're not having um, enough time to put out new growth to set the bud to bloom next year is why you want to be finished pruning by August 1st. They need to put out new growth, and then the blooms are on that. And that's an excellent time to get down on your knees and get in the heart of that big bush and prune out the quarter of the wood at that time. Another thing you can do, um, you can also do the pruning out the quarter in the early spring, but I like to wait until the, depending on your area and your exposure, that'll, um, depend, that will determine how developed they are. And so you don't want to start pruning um, in April on your macrophyllas until the buds have really come out and you can see where those top buds are. You don't want to cut lower than the top bud. If you left your old blossom on last year for winter interest, you want to cut about a quarter of an inch on an angle um, above those nodes. Ideally, you want to cut above a double node and um, that will have a flower and not be just a leaf node. Um, and then go down into the bush and you'll look for your biggest canes, largest diameter canes that have rough peely bark. And those are your oldest ones. And those are the ones, if your bush has started to decline or it hasn't put out many new canes, you want to invigorate it. And so you'll so you cut down in. So you can do that in April. Right. And you also can do that your August 1st after the total Right, bloom. right. Okay, right. because your hydrangeas, many people say, I have hydrangeas blooming in October and November. Right. I don't want to cut those blooms off. Well, you don't have to, and you don't have to prune every year, and you don't have to prune the whole bush every year. You can be selective and take certain canes out, just kind of like, um, um, not pyrocantha, what am I trying to say? The um, red berries, the um, nandinas. nandinas. You want to cut one cane of the nandina to the ground and stagger your cuts on that, and it'll shoot up all new new growth. Um, but the um, one thing you can do when you look at your bush and you pick those largest diameter canes with the roughest bark, you can also take canes that look dead. They don't have any buds coming out on them. You can usually snap the dead ones in your hand. And if there's any resistance and they don't snap, then you know it's, it's growing. It's still growing. It, it's still growing. And that's why you want to wait. Your jap maples. You go up and just, I can just run my hand over the jap maple. Mm-hmm. And they just, little branches. Mm-hmm. 
crack off in mm-hmm. my hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, it's time for them to go. That's a fun little task. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's fun. Anita's a, a compulsive about that, but we won't talk about that. We will not talk it about It goes well that. with a glass of wine. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. It really does. Um, I want to ask a question. What um, What's the feedback on the new Annabelles, the Invincibles and Spirit. the Incredibles? Mm-hmm. Tell me about those because those were bred to have um, stiffer stems yeah. because of those huge mop heads. Yes. What's it, the feedback? Because they haven't been out, you know, for a couple of years right. now. Most people I've heard say it's true that, you know, um, but I personally just have the straight species, you know, the, okay. the regular Annabelle's. Just, but I haven't heard anything derogatory about the new ones. Okay, okay. That doesn't really answer your question, but... No, um, I just, I didn't know what feedback there was in the hydrangea community. There's not, um, I think they've bred, they've bred them well and they're doing their job. Okay, good, good. I've used them, but only in clients' yards and mm-hmm. I haven't gotten any feedback yet, so they're beautiful. I love it. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, Glory, tell us about your uh, American Hydrangea Society Come With Me Tour to Northern England and Southern Scotland. Yes. Um, Chris Adams um, heads that up and she's going to be taking a trip to um Northern England and Scotland in August, and uh, there's more information about that, too, on our website, which I'd like to plug, and that's um, org. and there's lots of information on there, and if you become a member of our society, um, you'll get three Newsletters, beautiful color newsletters sent to you. And they really are beautiful. I mean, this uh, in the newsletter I have in front of me is Robert Mallet's garden in France and the photographs. I mean, it's worth it just to get the idea of like some of these mass plantings that he's done. But anyway, back to the trip. So are you going? Um, I'm actually not. I'm going to Scotland the next month with my husband on a golf trip. Okay. And uh, St. Andrews, here she comes. That's right. But I'm anxious because um, Scotland has a lot of beautiful hydrangeas and um, there's a the Logan Botanical Garden is there and I'm dying to see that as well as many others and it'll be interesting to see they have so many coastal areas that if the um, cardinal hydrangea is there, cardinal with a K, um, if that one is there and it's truly red, you'll see cardinal hydrangeas with C, um, spelled with a C, and those generally don't stay red. Um, and it's hard to keep a red one here. Um, well, so. that would go off big. People would love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at the list. I've been to the Beatrice Potter Cottage and Garden and the Edinburgh Botanic Garden and Castle and Logan, and they are all incredible. I would strongly recommend join the American Hydrangeas Society so you could go on this trip. That's just amazing. Another benefit of joining the society is you get um, tour tickets, and we have our annual tour in June. This year it will be June 14th, and a single membership is $30, and you get one free ticket and three newsletters a year, and we have three meetings a year. A family membership has um, two 
garden tour tickets. Um, it's only uh, $40, and you get the same three newsletters a year and three meetings a year. So we Yeah, love- it's worth it because, you know, a lot of organizations, you go on garden tours and you pay $20, and, you know, it's a or one-shot deal. $30. Or $30, and it's a one-shot deal. So... That's exciting. Well, I really hope you uh, hold up for these two garden tours that you're on. Well, the other fun thing I'm going to do is make a fairy garden. And okay. I'm doing peak Asiette with mosaics. I'm covering my birdhouses with mosaic um, because I'm tired of the squirrels eating out the, the holes in the <laughs> birdhouses. So at night, when I'm not digging in the dirt... I go in the basement, and I'm going to be doing mosaic and making fairy houses. Oh, my gosh. Cute. She's got more energy than, than we do, doesn't she? Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see but. about that. <laughs> but just to also, um, you know, for the listeners in the southeast, in the Georgia, you know, Alabama, South Carolina area, these the Hydrangea Tour and as well the um, these metro area um Master Gardener Tours, those are really, really good tours. It's not going to be like a perfect estate garden like at some, you know, gazillionaire's mansion, you know, that's all tended by, you know, people that, you know, don't live at the property. But the Master Gardener Tours, as well as the Hydrangea Tour, the majority of the design, the work, um, is done by the homeowner. So if you're a new gardener, those don't you think they're a great ways Definitely. to really they're gar- see a real yes. garden? They're gardener's gardens rather than the checkbook garden. Right, right. And you really even see- though we all spend a lot of our oh, checkbooks yeah. on our garden. Oh yeah. But at least you know we're like figuring it out right. and planning it. And it's so much fun to watch it grow and see your ideas come to fruition. You know, it just. Is fun. Are you going to have any vegetables in your garden? I am. And okay, I'm, so tell me about that because that was a big suggestion that people um, had made for the Master Gardener tour is that they wanted to see more edibles interspersed with the, you know, all the other garden. I'm going to try something new this year, um, new to me, and it's new to a lot of people. It's called straw bale gardening, oh. and that's where you take a wheat bale, you line up several wheat bales, and you plant the seeds inside the wheat bale. So you don't have to build a raised bed. You don't have to bring in a bunch of dirt. It's all right there. You have a little bit of dirt in the top, and then it's the nutrients from the wheat straw in addition to the fertilizer that you put on it and you can start it in um, like 12 days is what it takes to the put it together. seeds will germinate in 12 Well, it days? depends on what, what seeds they are, but to get the garden ready is like 12 days to um, get it going. And so I'm really excited. Can you do tomatoes in the mm, wheat bale? Definitely. Tomatoes and herbs and flowers and chives and cucumbers and go on the web and look up straw bale gardening. Okay. Some people have even said you could use pine straw, which would be prettier, but I don't recommend it. It's not as dense of a bale. It's not as strong. Yeah, you try to pick up a a pine straw bale and you can do it. Right. The wheat is way heavier Mm -hmm. and denser. Mm -hmm. So very little dirt on top of it. Right, right. So you, do you dig a hole out in the the top of no, the bale? No, you just kind of sprinkle 
the dirt right in the top. I haven't done it yet, and this is going to be my first attempt, so we're going to see. But I thought it would be neat for an educational component to um, have that during the Master Gardener Tour. Okay, well, if it works, you can come back and we'll talk about it. If it doesn't work, we'll pretend like we never heard about it. Okay. (laughs) There you go. And the other thing um, I wanted to say, too, is uh, during the Hydrangea Tour, I'm going to do something different in my driveway this year. I'm going to have what we call a standard flower show, and I'm going to have cuts of many, many different cultivars of hydrangeas. There'll be some from my garden and from my board's garden, and we're going to have them grouped by classification, and that way you can go up and they'll each be tagged with which cultivar and which species they're That's from. That's a wonderful educational thing. And that way that. they could see it you know it's kind of like the lipstick tester that's never true or the catalog printing that's not quite right you can see the true colors of what they are well gloria that sounds like a really really good idea i like that idea we may have to use that for the uh, master gardener tour